مرکز صحابہ آن لائن ریڈیو السلام علیکم اینڈ ویلکم بیک ٹو ٹیکنالوجی واچ آئی ایم بلال کترادا اینڈ آئی مسیل کترادا اینڈ ٹوڈے وی گوئنگ ٹو بی ٹاکنگ اباؤٹ ڈیوائسز دیٹ go extinct over time and i think we're going to be talking about a very surprising device that is about to go extinct now let's think about this when we go back to the early or mid last century around about the 50s and 60s there were these lp uh, devices there were these turntables that used to play these big black discs called lps and people used to play their tracks and audios or whatever on those and as time went by these became obsolete and they were replaced by cassettes and then as we forewind the century towards the 80s and then the 90s lots and lots of devices became extinct as technology progressed as newer better more compact cheaper technologies came into being and uh, took their places now some of those technologies masila what what sort of what sort of things between the 1980s 90s and today say in the last 3 to 4 decades what sort of devices actually went uh, obsolete and we don't actually see them anymore okay so you mentioned record players um and then the cassette player and after that came the cd player and cds and after that came portable music players like the mp3 player and even the ipod we also have things like vhs players and vhs tapes we have digital cameras back in the days i mean you used to use film in your camera then you had to go and get those photos developed you don't you can't get that anymore um the radio such a massive thing before television there was radio but nowadays um there's no radio uh, oh well radio is 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 phasing out in the way we we used to know it then even the smaller things things like your calculators um before we used to get those those tiny little calculators they used to buy um those are on their way out if not already gone completely you know i actually remember when i was in uh, standard 2 i think it's today's equivalent of of grade 4 when this was in the late 1980s when my dad bought me my first calculator and that was state of the art that was such an amazing little gadget it was the size of a credit card and it was simply amazing i was thrilled and I, now i don't know when last i actually saw a physical calculator i have a similar story i remember once um i bought a from a fair a calculator that was a wristwatch and uh that was just like the best thing ever for me other things like that that have gone extinct uh voice voice recorders um gps navigators even small uh flashlights uh, small torches um there are other more um uh other things that have also gone extinct uh, that you wouldn't expect are things like a level to to see how flat or how slopey something is like the type that builders will typically use correct right? and uh with that uh, compasses and measuring tapes and here's something i bet you haven't used yeah. yeah and um something i bet you haven't used in a long long time photo albums and alarm clocks okay i don't even know when was the last time i saw a photo album or an alarm clock 
And that reminds me of something else. A uh, telephone directory, you know, those big books that you could use to attack people in the, the past, pages. the yellow pages. I, I don't know when last I even saw one of those. And finally, we have things that that is so uh, that we've become so used to, we never thought would ever go extinct. But paper money is being replaced. Bank cards. Now we have uh, uh, services like PayPal, Apple Wallet, Zapper. Things like that have replaced the way we normally trade. Okay, so we went from a barter system to gold and silver to paper money. Now you're saying that paper money has gone extinct in, play, pay, in, in favor of plastic money. And even plastic money has gone extinct or going extinct in favor of digital money. Correct. And, and here's, the, here's the best part. Everything that I've mentioned, all of these gadgets that have, that have gone extinct have all been replaced by one gadget, the smartphone. I saw that coming. I definitely saw that coming. So the smartphone basically is all of those in one. It's your, it's your telephone, it's your telephone directory, it's your, it's your video camera, it's your still camera, it's your, your camera processing uh, center because, I mean, now you can do a whole lot of uh, image editing on a on a on a basic uh, cell phone uh, it's your internet browsing device it's your computer it's your pda it's got so much in in one so the cell phone in essence is responsible for the deaths of so many other gadgets it's unbelievable and as time went by more and more features were built into uh, the cell phones and when the iphone came out just about uh, 11 or 12 years ago, then it was a revolution even in cell phones. And the iPhone itself basically destroyed all the previous types of cell phones we used to get. You know those little phones that had buttons? I mean, when last did we see a phone with buttons like the old Nokia 3310s and uh, the, 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 the Ericsson phones? So along comes this iPhone and makes everything before it extinct. Now suddenly there's a new age of cell phones that was ushered in by the cell phone these touch screen phones that have no buttons basically just a piece of glass and metal with with no uh, uh, physical user interface and beyond that from that time onwards all cell phones are now touchscreen devices tablets are touchscreen devices a lot of laptops are now touchscreen uh, devices so we see the progression of Technology. I mean, in the old days, we had physical cassettes. Now, you can't even see where your audios are stored. You've got a garage stored. You've got a, 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 a talk stored somewhere. You can't see it. It's, it's no longer a physical thing. It's a digital file that lives on a computer and lives on your, on your device. And whereas in the old days, you would physically take a memory stick or a disk and transfer that uh, track onto your device now you're simply downloading it or you'd email it to somebody or you'd share a dropbox link and they'd be able to download it and uh, install it onto their devices so the cell phone was truly truly a revolution in technology it really changed our world in ways that we never you know we can't imagine what what it was like without uh, cell phones i mean i remember a time when we were traveling, for example, you're traveling from Durban to Johannesburg, then pretty much every little garage that you find, you'll stop, you'll find a payphone, 
and you'll call home and say, now we reach this part. Now we're on the outskirts of Peter Marisburg or now we're in Harrismith. And, you know, at, with every garage, you'd, you'd stop and you'd, you'd, you'd give them the message. And if they had something urgent to tell you, then you just had to wait until the next time that you called. Also, think about in the old days, I'm talking about the late 80s, early 90s, well, even the early 2000s, when we were lost, what would we do? Take out a map and look at that map. First things first, and figure out where you are. Look for a major uh, landmark and try and figure out where you were. And then once you, you figure out where you were and what direction you were moving in, then you'd use that map to navigate yourself to your destination. Life was just so different back in those days. And the cell phone came in gradually, gradually, gradually and changed our lives and touched our lives in ways that we never thought that that was imaginable. Now we can't think of a life without cell phones. We can't think of a life without instant messaging. I mean, when I'm on a trip, the moment I leave home, I'm getting a WhatsApp from my mom. How far are you? Have you read your dua? Have you got your seatbelt on? Don't drive too fast. So driving instructions. Half an hour later, where are you? How far are you? Another half an hour, she'll check in on me again. It's 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 revolutionized our 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 lives. And you you're on a flight somewhere, you can check your emails, what check out things that are happening at work, all in the palm of your hands. So cell phones, truly, truly amazing devices amazing gadgets but now what's what's what does the future actually hold in store so many devices over time have become obsolete that we don't even see them anymore what's the next device that's going to go obsolete and here's the big surprise the big surprise is that the next device that's going to go obsolete in the next few years in the next five to ten years is drum roll the cell phone itself. Yeah, that's right. The cell phone is about to go extinct within the next five to ten years. Now, you, people will be shocked and amazed by this. How is this even possible? What could possibly replace something as essential to our lives as a cell phone? The cell phone really took so many different things in our lives and put it into one place. And now you're saying that the cell phone itself is going to go extinct. Impossible. Impossible. How can the cell phone go uh, obsolete? And if so, what's, what is it going to be replaced by? Now, let me give you a bigger surprise. The bigger surprise is we have already started making our cell phones obsolete. The technology is already there where cell phones have become partially, not fully, not fully yet, but partially obsolete. So, Masila, tell us, what's the technologies out there? that are making our cell phones obsolete. People may be wondering what I'm going on about. Okay, so there's three things that come to mind that have changed the way we interact with our devices in a massive way. The first one is virtual assistants. And when you speak of virtual assistants, what are we talking about here? Um, I'm talking about Siri, uh, Google, uh, Google Assistant, Cortana, uh, Amazon's Alexa, things like that, that allow you to speak to your device give it instructions like you would give a person instructions and have them carry out these instructions. So we're seeing a massive change in the way we interact with these devices, with our, with our devices. So if you think about a cell phone, um, 
it it kind of takes you away from reality um you you're holding it in your hand and and most likely it's it's your dominant hand you you're poking away at the screen uh say for example if you are driving that's 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 extremely dangerous as well but with a virtual assistant you can do almost almost everything that you can do w- with uh, with your phone for example making phone calls all you have to do is call the assistant's name and ask it to phone your contact it will it'll make the phone call and it'll connect you you Amazing. Don't, don't even need to touch it don't need to unlock it and the same you can do text messages you can get directions you can say uh, navigate me to this place and it'll give you step by step directions to where you need to go it can open apps it can search the web and earlier on we talked about calculators and we know that calculators became extinct because every phone has a calculator even a scientific calculator but one step further is that these virtual assistants can do these calculations by you just telling them and and you can try it out try very complex complications try using exponents or fractions or and square roots and within seconds faster than you can even type the question out they will give you the answer i mean so you could say something like uh hey siri what's 5 plus 5 whoops you just oh, okay my. i just activated uh, so it's listening to me and waiting for go <laughs> okay so let, let 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 it let it do its stuff ask it okay let's do a quick example what's 76 times 4 to the power 8 that's a big number That's a huge number. The answer is 4,980,736. Amazing. Ask it something like how far is it from here to Johannesburg? How far is it from here to Johannesburg? It looks like Johannesburg is about 499 kilometers away as the crow flies. That's amazing. So, you basically you just interacted with your phone without even picking it up. you simply spoke into it and it gave you a response you could even say to it phone dad or phone mom or phone the office and it will do that so that's the first i can see it as almost a first phase in in cell phones becoming uh, uh, obsolete but still i mean it doesn't really it it won't really cause much of a dent because you know i mean you still need to to pick up your cell phone again what what else is out there what other technologies are out there that that are making our cell phones less and less useful okay the next gadget that's out there is wearable technology we hear about internet of things all the time and and the best example is um your smart watches all right i Now, have one of those an apple watch you don't need to carry your phone with you anymore your watch does everything that your phone can do and that's actually super useful because i mean if you're taking a walk you're going for a jog you're going to the gym you don't need to carry that bulky cell phone uh, around with you 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 basically you got your your apple watch and with that you've got you know the the wireless headsets these days i mean every company is competing with each other to come up with wireless headsets like the apple airpods and the samsung um what do you call them uh, icon x the icon x these are wireless uh, headsets that you can basically uh, listen to a conversation you can make a phone call they've got microphones actually built into them so what you're saying in essence is that between your wireless headset and your 
your uh, smartphone, you've got a fully fledged cell phone right there, and you don't really need a cell phone. I mean, personally, I've I I use my 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 watch for all sorts of things. I mean, I transfer my audio books from my phone onto my watch. So as I'm walking around, if I'm taking a walk on the beach, I simply listen to my audio books. I listen to my my tracks, my kirat. I can even stream. Uh, my my favorite podcasts and and uh, radio stations directly from my watch and my car my 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 phone will simply stay in a locker or it'll stay in in my car so I get you there I mean there's a lot that's uh, that's been taken away from the the cell phone uh, you know a lot of times I'll find that my cell phone sits on my desk uh, for half a day and yet I'm busy making calls I'm taking calls I'm looking at messages. Uh, when I get a WhatsApp message, I simply look at my watch. I don't need to look at my phone, and it it continues like that. And then I realize, hey, I haven't I haven't actually picked up my phone for the past couple of hours. It's just sitting there. But still, I mean, that's not enough to totally replace the phone because I mean, a one inch square uh, screen is tiny. There's not much you can see. You still need a display. What technologies are out there that are actually going to take the place of the display of cell phones? The third part um, is actually AR, augmented reality. Now, we've talked about this a little bit in the past, um, but we're going to go a little bit more in-depth at this time. Now, there's an important thing to remember, the difference between AR and VR, augmented reality versus virtual reality. Now, virtual reality is where you are taken out of the real world. You wear a headset like the Oculus or the PlayStation VR, and you're put into a totally different world. So basically, it blocks your view of the real world. Right. And it takes your phone and puts it so close to your eyes that that becomes your reality. You're tricking your mind into thinking that whatever is on the screen is your reality. So how does augmented reality actually differ from that? Now, augmented reality does not take you out of, of reality. It, in fact, well, augments it. So it projects things in real life. So, for example, we've talked about earlier the measuring app. Now, on your iPhones, if you have, like, I think an iPhone 6 upwards, there is an app called uh, Measure. And what that does is let you measure real-world objects with your phone. And it does this by placing a point on your screen that corresponds to an object or a point in real life. So, think about it kind of like a hologram. And... A better example might be um, if you remember the game Pokemon Go. That used augmented reality because you're looking at the creature on your device and your your camera is looking at the real world and then you, you can see this creature. As if it's in the real world. That's correct. So, But when you look in the real world, it's not there. But you look on the screen, you can see a picture of the background and you can actually see this little device. But how is that going to replace... Cell phones, because what what does that what's the link with that and cell phones? I think I have, I I have an idea of that, right? So in the future, you're gonna wear these glasses. It looks like an ordinary pair of glasses. It's it's already in in uh, in research and development, where you'll you'll put on these glasses, and your entire field of vision will become your display. So think about it like this. All right. So you got your notification center. Uh, for example, on the top right corner of your of your vision. So you're walking around, you're seeing things exactly as they are, as normal, and then suddenly you get this notification that pops up right there in your field of vision. 
incoming message or incoming call and a simple tap on your smartwatch will will answer the call and you'll you'll talk to the person on the other end using your your wireless headset you never needed a phone you you made an entire call you could see the name of the person you could see the notification or for example somebody sends you a whatsapp message or an email you get a notification right there in your field of vision and you tap on your watch and it it shows you the message and you can scroll through that message and and read it in a similar way this is this is definitely one of my favorites you're driving around and as as you're driving this augmented reality through the glasses you're wearing it shows you uh, it shows you arrows on the road whether you're driving or walking it shows you arrows when you remove the glasses the arrows don't exist these are digital arrows they don't really exist they just you know they just stay in the augmented reality world but it shows you arrow where to where to drive where to turn which um off ramp to take so these augmented reality glasses they can take the place of your entire cell phone display and then you don't have to worry about size i mean really what's the difference between a tablet pc and a cell phone it's just that the tablet pc has a bigger screen that's about it but now both of these are going to be fused into one gadget which is your augmented reality glasses so that is really amazing because now you there's no such thing as a cell phone there's no such thing as a physical cell phone anymore you don't you won't be holding a cell phone all the features and functionality of the cell phone will be built into these glasses including the display and here's the best part the best part is that the display will be heads up meaning you won't have to look down at at a cell phone and take your eyes off the road or take your eyes off where you are walking because that display will be right there in front of you it's not going to obstruct your view it's going to be in your periphery but it's going to be there so you can simply just just by by looking to the left or looking to the right you'll be able to see all the uh, the, the notifications so that's really uh, amazing and one of the things that that's really going to work for me is it's also going to have a built-in camera right and as you approach a, a a person it's going to use artificial intelligence to recognize that person's face and right next to that person's face it's going to pop up that person's uh name you know one of the problems i have is that i just can't remember people's names it's not that i'm being rude it's just that i got a lot going on in my head and when i meet a person after some time i i can't remember their names so this will be a lifesaver for a person like me because i mean i just look at the person uh, my my augmented reality uh, glasses will will see that person it will recognize that person find that person in my contacts and pop up their name over there ah okay how's it uh, whatever the name is it's nice to meet you again. that's going to be really really awesome so we're not to be running out of time we're not going to get into too much of depth about augmented reality i think we'll 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 uh, we'll do a special episode just on augmented reality but in a nutshell what's happening in the world right now in the world of technology is that augmented reality and the, these peripheral devices that are now already available like smart watches and airpods are slowly but surely inching towards making cell phones obsolete once you have that set up you don't need a physical cell phone anymore and physical cell phones if you really think about it they are troublesome they fall they crack they break they bend they get stolen so it's it's a nightmare just just managing them 
But with augmented reality, you've got the glasses, you've got your AirPods, and you've got a watch. That's about it. And that that whole combination becomes your your cell phone. So that's a wrap for today's uh, episode. I hope our listeners uh, enjoyed it as uh, as much as we did, Masila. Mm, this is definitely one of our favorite topics. Definitely. I mean, when you know, when I started doing the research for it, I never imagined that you know cell phones could be. Uh, could become extinct. I was dubious myself. But anyways, I hope our listeners uh, enjoyed it and learned as much as we did. And that's a wrap. I'm Bilal Katrada. And I'm Masihullah Katrada. And this is Technology Watch. Marcus Sahaba Online Radio Podcast. This is The Amazing Beauty of Creation. I'm Bilal Katrada. And I'm Talha Katrada. And this is the show that brings you up close with the universe around you. Assalamu alaikum and welcome back to the amazing beauty of creation. Now in the past two episodes we've been discussing these amazing, remarkable, unbelievably intelligent little creatures, the honeybees. And in the past couple of episodes we spoke about the bees themselves and we spoke about the hives, and we even quoted an ayat where Allah Ta'ala says, وَأَوْحَى رَبُّكَ إِلَى النَّحْلِ And Allah Ta'ala inspired the bees, taught the bees, gave the bees uh, a, an instinct to create its home, meaning the hives, from mountains and homes and trees and trellises. Now, once that was done, after that ayat, in the ayat that follows immediately, there Allah Ta'ala says that he further instructed the bee, Thumma kuli min kuli thamarat, then eat from the different types of fruits, fasluki, subula rabbiki, zulula, and then travel in the path that your Rabb, your Creator, laid down for you. And then Allah Ta'ala continues. He says, يَخْرُجُ مِن بُطُونِهَا شَرَابٌ مُخْتَلِفًا أَلْوَانُهُ And from its belly comes out a drink that's in different colors. فِيهِ شِفَاءٌ لِلنَّاسِ In it is a cure for mankind. إِنَّ فِي ذَلِكَ لَآيَةً لِقَوْمٍ يَتَفَكَّرُونَ In that is a sign for people who take time to ponder. Now what's going on in this ayat? What are we talking about here? What we're talking about is Allah Ta'ala taught the bee what to go and eat and how to produce out of what it eats, out of the pollen that it eats, honey. 100% pure honey. Mukhtalifan alwanu in different colors. Now you get honey of different colors. Fihi shifa nas, and Allah Ta'ala is saying that in it, in this honey, there is a cure for mankind. Now what types of cures? I'll come back to that. And finally Allah Ta'ala ends off this ayat by saying that in this, in what? In the bees, in the way it produces honey, in the way that it travels around, it flies around this tiny little creature gathering a nectar and bringing it back to its hive, in the way it creates that hive, in all of this, there are signs for people who take time to give a thought, take time to 
ponder and really think about it, when you really think about it, then this is a sign of Allah Ta'ala's greatness. It's a sign that everywhere around you, you'll see Allah Ta'ala Himself through the amazing things that He created. Now, when we say, fi, or when Allah Ta'ala says, rather, in it is a cure for mankind. What, what does this actually mean? It means, and we'll get into more detail on this a little later, it means that honey is a cure for a number of diseases. In fact, scientists have shown in recent times that honey is a very powerful antibiotic. It actually destroys germs. And it's also been found to cure a lot of ailments and sicknesses like minor wounds and grazes, diarrhea, allergies, stomach aches, colds and coughs, and with that sore throat, digestive problems. It helps to control weight. It also uh, it, 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 it gives you energy because it diffuses very quickly because of its high sugar content. It diffuses very quickly into the bloodstream. And there's a whole lot of other things that that honey basically cures. And among those is also very importantly heart diseases. In fact, British researchers have found that uh, that honey slows the oxidation of bad cholesterol in, in the blood, which typically goes on to form blockages in, in the arteries. So by having a lot of honey, you're actually slowing down this formation of this, uh, this uh, bad cholesterol. Now, Tala is going to tell us a little more about honey and its its production and how exactly it's made. But let's let's start with with some amazing facts about honey. I believe you got some amazing facts for us about about honey, Tala. Okay, so yeah, so firstly, I think it's it's a common fact that uh, you should get out of the way that a lot of people might know is that honey lasts for a very very long time. In fact, in the ancient Egyptian pyramids. The ancient Egyptians used to bury their pharaohs and some of their rulers with jars of honey. And 3,000 years later, explorers opened up those tombs and they found those honey jars and the honey was still perfectly good and edible. After 3,000 years? 3,000 years. And honey could go on well after that as well. It's just we haven't found any honey from before then. Now, honey lasts this long because of its overall chemical structure and acidity level, but it lasts this long mainly because of its lack of water. You see, most bacteria species need water to survive and to reproduce. And because honey has no water, bacteria can't uh, firstly start consuming the honey and breaking it down, and they can't reproduce inside the honey to make more bacteria. So as soon as bacteria enter the honey, they die. And this is, a, this is one of the reasons why honey is such a good cure, because even when you consume that honey, it is a bacteria in your stomach, then on your digestive tract, then uh, this bacteria can't survive in the honey. And so the honey kills them. So basically, the honey kills these bacteria by, by how? By sort of by uh, suffocating them. You see, bacteria, they need that water, or sort of making them sort of die of thirst even. Okay. So they need that water to survive because they get trapped in the honey where there's no water. They can't survive any longer. But I mean still 3,000 years and still perfectly edible. That's amazing. 
Okay, then now let's get into to how bees actually make honey. So, honey bees, uh, honey is made by the worker bees in the hive. So the worker bees, as we discussed, are all the females that do all of the hard work. And so they'll start the process of honey making, number one, by going and collecting the raw materials that they need, which is nectar from flowers. So bees will fly great distances to find flowers uh, to collect enough nectar. In fact, collectively, bees need to visit 2 million flowers and fly about 100,000 kilometers to make just half a kg of honey. Wait a minute. Half a kg of honey and that amount, that amount of effort, 2 million flowers and 100,000 kilometers. How far is that? 100,000 kilometers. Give us context on that. Uh, that's the equivalent of flying around the world two and a half times. So a, a colony of bees, uh, collectively, they need to fly around the world two and a half times uh, just to get enough honey, uh, enough nectar to make half a kg of honey. That is amazing, subhanAllah. Unbelievable. But that's not the most amazing part. You see, half a kg of honey is a very small amount of honey, even for bees. In a year, a big healthy colony of bees can produce 45 kgs of honey. Now to create this amount of honey, a hive needs to collectively travel 8.8 million kilometers. So that's the same as flying to the moon and back 11 times. So that's the distance a colony needs to travel for a year's produce of honey. I'm speechless. I, I don't know I don't know what to say. This is amazing. So in a year the collective uh, worker bees travel eight point eight million kilometers. You know, maybe that's where the word busy bee comes from because bees are really, really busy all the time. Just to make forty five kilo kilograms of honey. Unbelievable. Now, bees also, they, they communicate with one another. When they find a batch of flowers, then a bee will go back to the hive and alert all of the other bees that there's some flowers there. And the way they do this is through this dance. Now, the dance is sort of shaped like a figure eight. So they'll move in that shape. And in the middle of the eight, they'll do like this little wiggle. Uh, it's it's uh, unofficially known as the wiggle dance that they do. And there's two things that other bees will get out of this dance. Number one, actually three things. Number one, they'll get that there's flowers around. Number two, depending on the direction that the bee is facing when it does the dance, they'll get which direction to fly to get to the flowers. And thirdly, from the length of the dance, they'll get how far the flowers are. Amazing. So they'll, they'll understand three things from that dance. So they got this complex little communication going on. So a little... Scout bee, for example, will go and find a, 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 a bunch of flowers, will find a really big loot of flowers and come back and tell everyone. So the other bees will know exactly, pinpoint, GPS navigation, where to find those flowers. Impressive. Now, once the bees, they find the flowers, they will use the proboscis to suck in the honey, uh, the nectar and store it in a nectar uh, sac inside their throat. So wh what exactly is the proboscis? The, the proboscis is like this kind of straw that comes out of the bee's mouth, similar to how a mosquito or a fly has. So they'll use the straw to uh, extend into the flower and then they'll suck 
the nectar out and store it inside of their throat. Now once you collected enough nectar, she'll fly, start flying back to the hive. And all along the way, she'll start mixing it with these enzymes in her saliva. And so this starts, officially starts the process of turning the nectar into honey. Now once she reaches the hive, she'll open her mouth and another bee will suck the honey or the nectar out of that bee's mouth using its own proboscis and start mixing it with its own enzymes. And she will, this, the second bee will also start a process called ripening, which is basically what she'll do is it's the removal of water from the honey. So they bring the nectar from the throat to the entrance of their proboscis and then back. And every time it reaches the tip of their proboscis, a little bit of water is lost. So it gets exposed to the air and a little bit water is lost. And uh, she'll do this here for about 15 to 20 minutes. Then when she's done, she'll pass it on to another bee who will repeat the process of firstly mixing it with their enzymes and then moving it up and down from their throat to their tip of their proboscis. And every time the honey is passed to another bee, it gets slightly richer and richer. So if there's a lot of nectar flowing into, into the hive, then there's no need to create so rich honey. So, and they need to quickly store what honey they have so they can make way to make new ones. So they won't pass around the honey so many times. But if the uh, nectar intake is slow, let's just say in winter, then they'll focus a lot more on the nectar that they have. So they'll pass it around quite a few times and make sure that it gets extremely rich. So in that sense, are we saying that in, when flowers are scarce, then the honey is more pure, more it's refined? more pure, more sweet and contains more nutrients. Interesting. Now, honey's, uh, bees go all, uh, through all this trouble to create honey because that's their main source of food. Bees eat mostly honey and then uh, the worker bees will eat it, they'll feed it to the drones and they'll feed it to the queen. And honey is extremely, extremely nutritious, not just for the bees, but as you discussed for humans. But other creatures have also learned about this nutrition of honey. The, these creatures will include things like uh, bears, badgers, mice, wasps, just about uh, any creature learns to appreciate honey for its its raw nutrients that it contains. Fantastic. Now the thing I'm 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 struggling with here is that the bees on one hand they go through the whole process of of making honey and then they they eat it, right? They they share it with the with the rest of the uh, uh, the colony. The worker bees themselves do they also partake of that honey or do they just suffice themselves on nectar? What do they actually uh, eat? They eat honey as well. Okay. So some of the honey they make, they eat. But this shows that you know a remarkable level of of cooperation that these worker bees are not selfish. They all the effort that they're making, uh, you know, to fly around, collect that nectar, process that honey in their in their in their bodies, and then store it. You know, they 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 they're not selfish. If they were selfish, they would say, "Well, this is ours. We're just going to eat it." But then they share it. I'm sure that the the amount that they consume is much less than the amount that they are producing. Because I mean, if you are producing um, 
if you're eating as much as you're making, then there's nothing left for everybody else. So they're probably taking a fraction of what uh, what they're producing. And this shows a remarkable level of selflessness on the part of the little bees. Amazing. All right, now, another uh, produce of bees that I, I find very interesting, and it's less known than honey and beeswax. Now, this produce that they uh, make is called propolis. Now, propolis is the stick, sticky, gluey substance that bees make. Uh, the primary, primary ingredient is tree sap. So sometimes when bees are out foraging for flowers, for nectar and pollen, if they see a tree that's leaking sap, they'll go to this tree and they'll collect some of this resin or the sap that's leaking out. And they'll store it in these pouches that they have in their back legs. They use the same pouches when they're collecting pollen. Then they'll carry this, uh, this sap back to the hive and they'll mix it with some, some pollen, some wax and some of their enzymes and they'll turn it into propolis. Now, propolis has many uses in the hive. So firstly, it's, it's used mainly as a construction uh, uh, material. So if there's a, a gap in the hive that they need to fill that's too small, then they'll use propolis to fill it. Wow, so they're making their own construction materials. This is like, what, polyfiller or super glue or something? Almost like one of those. And propolis is also used as insulation. It's, it doesn't allow much heat through it. So along the outside of their hive, they'll coat it in propolis. So it keeps the heat in and keeps the cold out. Amazing. Then also when bees are building their hive, sometimes there'll be a, a surface that's too rough to work with. So they'll use propolis to smooth out the surface to make it easier for them to, to build on. Are you telling me the bees actually plaster their walls? And they resurface some of the, the areas in their in their this construction site. This is amazing. Site. This is unbelievable. And one other use that they have for propolis, and this one I think is, is, is very interesting. You see, let's just say a creature like a wasp or, um, not a wasp, a, a lizard or a mouse finds its way into the hive, seeking the honey. So the bee's natural reaction will be to sting this invader and kill it. And this they, they're quite effective of doing with their with their toxins in their stink, but they're faced with another problem. Now they have this this decaying carcass in their hive that's going to start decomposing and going to start contaminating the rest of the hive. So what they'll do is, they will sort of cover this creature in propolis, sort of mummifying it, making sure that it's encased in this propolis so that as it decomposes it's not going to start contaminating the rest of the hive. Hmm. That's impressive. So, you know, to sum up, and we, we, we're actually uh, running out of time here. To sum up, if you look at the bees, these tiny little creatures that, you know, we don't think much of unless they're flying towards us or they land on us, then we want to run uh, screaming because, you know, we don't want to get stung. But really, if you look at them, as tiny as they are, they are master builders, they are engineers, they are scientists, they are chemists, and they even mummify things. I mean, it's unbelievable how clever these little creatures are. And I think anybody that, that listens to this, anybody that, that, that has an understanding of 
what these bees are capable of and what they actually do, we'll understand that there is no way that these creatures could have taught themselves these things. I mean, tiny little bee flying about, see some pollen and says, well, you know, I can make some sticky substance out of this, which is super nutritious, and I will feed myself and my, my, my community uh, with this. Or they'll see some uh, sap coming out of a tree and say, well, look, we'll probably use this for plastering and for insulation and for mummifying dead creatures in our home so they they don't uh, uh, cause the whole hive to get uh, infected. This is not chance. This is not something that comes about because certain, you know, these creatures figured these things out by chance. This is pure inspiration this is pure uh, as the, as the quran says it is a type of wahi it's a type of inspiration a type of teaching that the one who created these little creatures actually taught these bees and now i think we all have a much greater uh, appreciation for both the bees as well as their creator and that's a wrap for today's uh, episode i hope the listeners found it as enjoyable, entertaining, and as educational as uh, we did in uh, doing the research and preparing for this. Once again, I'm Bilal Katrada. And I'm Talha Katrada. And this is The Amazing Beauty of Creation. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and on Twitter, at AB of Creation, to give us feedback on our podcast, and let us know if there's anything specific you'd like us to discuss in a future episode.